Welcome to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. How's Thanksgiving? Uh, it's good. I'm, I'm ready to be back. A little bit sore. A little football with the nephews. A little turkey bowl, but uh, I'm ready to go. You're ready to go. Yep. And uh, we're going to talk a little hockey here over the next hour. Blackhawks picked up their first point since like mid-November last night. Uh, loser's point. Yeah. But your favorite. Big picture. Big picture, yep. Chief, is that they are... Moving down. Currently dead last in the Central. So. Dead last in the Central. Fourth worst record in mm-hmm. the National. And uh, three points out of the the basement where Anaheim has 13 points. So, big picture, Bedard Fantilli. Yeah. They're, they're moving towards that where a month ago they were like ninth or tenth. Around the playoff yes. spot. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So it is like one of those things where it's like, hey, we lost. That's okay. Hey, you won. That's okay. Right. And as long as you don't end up in that dreaded like 12th spot, uh, which looks to be basically impossible. There's that stat that I always quote. Uh, but if you're outside the playoffs on American Thanksgiving, you miss the playoffs 80% of the time. Right. So we're right there. They're well outside of it now. Uh, as we said, last place in the Central. So, yeah, I think it's. Uh, it was almost like fortuitous timing in a way because to lose Seth Jones and some of these guys because you could see the couple games where he came back. Like he makes a big difference. Like he's he's a tremendous player uh, and and really impacts the game at all in all three zones. The numbers don't lie. Without Seth, they were two six and two. Yeah. With him, they were four three and one. Now they've they blew a four one lead in Dallas that they probably should have won. Yep. They end up losing that one six to four in the final ten minutes. Total I, meltdown. The the Dallas game. I want to send a handwritten note to the boys and Luke Richardson. That was me. I I messed up. I mushed. It was like I I'm a mush on Twitter. But I I, yeah. I, I got home. Uh, you know that was Wednesday night. I was out of my parents' house. I flipped the game on, and by the time I got home, they're already up four one. So I was like, what do you know? Seth Jones back, and everything is fixed. Like away we go, or something something like that. Immediate. Like within a minute, they gave up a goal, and then it was you know. So that was all my fault. So that should have okay, been two so, points, and, and so I, I jinxed them. Whatever you did to mush the situation, mm-hmm. I was also doing my part okay. at the NBC Sports Chicago studios. Bulls were playing Milwaukee, yep. and they beat Milwaukee, and they were both on our air. So I'm walking in, and, and you got Jason Goff, you've got uh, Will Perdue and Kendall Gill, and I said, Hey, boys, what do you think the parlay would have been tonight for uh, Bulls win over Milwaukee? And at the time, it was 4-1 Blackhawks. Yeah. And a Blackhawks win against a really good Dallas team. Probably like plus 700. Plus 700, right? And then as soon as I said that... I look at Will, I'm like, you know, no. I feel the tide. I feel the tide. And you could really sense yeah. it. I mean, like, it, 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 it flew off the flat screen just what was going on in Dallas as far as that crowd getting into it. Yeah. And it just seemed to be a matter of time. And they're a good team. Like, yes, they're a good they team. They're, they're a disciplined team. They play hard. They got a lot of talent. And But when, you know, you give up one short side and it starts, oh, oh, uh-oh, <laughs> here, here we go. And I could feel it, and I just, I, I logged off. I logged off the internet until the game was long over, and then I apologized because 
my my mentions were flooded with like sure. you are the Thank worst. You. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Seth Jones' return. He still got a splint on that mm-hmm. right thumb, and I was like, "Well, how's he going to shoot? You know, what's a passing going to be like?" And like, oh. He'll score a goal. Who needs thumbs? Yeah, who needs thumbs? Apparently, <laughs> yeah. 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 So he was he was he was sensational. So he had the goal in the Dallas game. It's like welcome back. And there is just something about you know dividing up that ice time where it's like we're going to give twenty six minutes minimum to Seth Jones and then and slotting Caleb where he deserve where he should be right, right. in a third pairing role and not, everyone not a first else pairing. Jack Johnson instead right. of playing you know, I don't know what he was playing while Jones is out twenty you're back down to the fifteen range and, and on and on it goes because. He's a guy who you can trust out there for half the game, and he's going to give you an all-star level performance on the back end. And he just—he—that's kind of how I like to judge a lot of players and their value is how much do they elevate everyone else around sure. them. Kaner, obviously, we've talked about that many times. Jones, maybe not to the, to Kaner's level, but Jones definitely makes the whole team better. He's great in transition, uh, offensively at least, defensively in transition a little left to be desired but he's great he, he's just a he's a fantastic hockey player and i and i i keep banging that drum because there was that chart that said he was the third worst defenseman or whatever right, they signed him and right. people, he can't seem to shake that narrative I, I don't think he gets the credit for what he means to this team i agree so the 10 games he was out with the with the broken thumb they scored two less goals per game two less yeah. goals per game and they gave up over a half goal more Per game. Now, I'm not saying all of this is Seth, right? But, but a lot of, a lot of <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. and, and for a lot of the reasons you're saying, it's because the way you disperse the minutes mm-hmm. uh, uh, to the rest of the blue liners, what he can do playing in all situations. I mean, are you a fan of the five forwards approach that they've been taking on the top power play unit? Uh, you know, the last few games. Yeah, no, I mean it's. It depends. Yeah, I, I'm not opposed to that philosophically, uh, but I do think that they have some defensemen who can give you a little bit of balance, and Jones is certainly one of them. But it, it gets to the point where it's like you're looking at if Jones isn't in the lineup and Mitchell's not necessarily in the lineup, well, it's like you don't really have a guy. No. Like you don't want Murphy out there. And you Bruce, don't. They were forcing yeah, him in I, there. Yeah, and, I, I don't think Ruse is a bad player, but he's a rookie and, you know, transitioning from Sweden. Like he's got a long way to go. But he he definitely has some skating and some skill, but he's he's not ready to be a, a power play guy in the NHL, uh, at least not every night, certainly not on a top unit. So if you don't have it, don't force it. It's kind of my philosophy. If you if you have a better attack with five forwards, run five forwards. Yeah. No, I mean, and they they usually have in that five forward look. They have Kane at the top of the umbrella. That works. Which, by the <laughs> way, you know he's the best playmaker. Mm-hmm. He, he he puts passes on everybody's stick in their wheelhouse. Yeah. Not afraid around the blue line to make a tough play, uh, but you take away his shot on on yeah. on on either side, and you you know he doesn't have a heavy shot obviously. But we saw last night where you know he can get that wrister through rebound, radish knocks it Cash. in. Yeah, so that that is the thing. Like I don't think you're ever gonna. A lot of times, you the reason you want that guy at the point, as you know, is you want. People sucked out to him, and and then you make the play because that shot is a threat from from the top. Uh, you, you know, you, certain guys can just overpower you from up there, right? And if you have the right traffic, and you, just, you get some goals, but guys aren't going to be in a rush to close out. They're going to favor the pass, so it's just like the old Ray Bork. You just have to get it through. Like Ray Bork used to, you know, he pre shoot at six to twelve inches off the ice, create some chaos, just get it through. Doesn't matter how hard. Uh, just get it on net and let let chaos ensue. And I think that's got to be so. Kaner, I think might you know 
far be it for me to tell Kaner how to run the run the power play, but you know, just give them that look every you know uh, more willingly. Just get get pucks through and, and let people uh, you know create a scrum in front of the net. See what you can get. Your thoughts on what you've seen uh, from the Blackhawks here in recent games? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Kirby Doc, his homecoming last night. You know, I th- I thought he was not really noticeable much during mm-hmm. the game, but obviously he comes through in the shootout. I was happy for him. Me too. I, I really was. Yeah. I You know, I could not believe the booze for Kirby Doc. Yeah. What? I mean, you know, I I don't think he does. I mean, if you're booing, you're booing because they forced him to the NHL faster than he should have been, and they didn't really do much to develop him while he was here and put him in a position to succeed. Right. And you look at he, he goes to Montreal, a place where, you know, they want him. You know, they see the value right. there. They said. Odd. They see the value in a 21-year-old, six foot four, two hundred and ten pound winger, and maybe he is just a winger in the NHL. And they tried to pigeonhole him in to be like he's Ryan Getzloff. He's not Ryan Getzloff. So, so okay, who do you think he's more like? Like, uh, like that. That was my biggest question yeah. when we moved him. Is he more a two hundred foot player, or is he like Eichel light? I mean, like, what, yeah, what, I don't what, think he's Eichel. You know, because Eichel, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Tr- like are are you offensive, to force him yeah, in that round, right? Yeah, in that I, round. I, I think he's a. I think we're still finding out. Yeah, you know, and I, I always think back to that. The and I think everyone does the the little stretch in the bubble uh, during the COVID year where they beat Edmonton and he was very effective uh, against a very good Vegas team too. And it's like, okay, like this guy does look like a top six center. Uh, and then it just, you know, he, they're like, they let him go to Team Canada. They never should have done that. And it uh, hurts the wrist, and they rush him back from the wrist because they were still kind of scrapping around for, you know, the wild card spot. And it was just they never made the right decision at any point in the process. So it's almost like he, he never really had a chance. So what what is his comp? I don't know because I do think he's more of just like a solid 200-foot player, and I think that was part of the issue with him too is that he he never should have been drafted third overall. And he's probably a guy who's, you know, down towards the 10-12 range in that draft. We've seen guys... In a really good draft. Really good draft. Bowen Byram was a guy that I like, but, you know, there's Zegras was in that draft. Uh, Dylan Cousins is looking like a really good player. Caulfield for was Caulfield. in Caulfield. So, can you, you know... And, and it's, they took him because he looked the most NHL ready. Totally. And, and, and this was like, the, you know, this was the t- the toe in the water mm-hmm. one year and the toe out of the water the other year yep. for Stan. And Stan was like, all right, we got, we, you know, coaching, you're GMing for your job, right? Yeah. And so they take the most NHL ready, at least as yeah. far as stature. Uh, physically, physically. Yeah. Um, but clearly he was not the most NHL ready as a player. And most of those guys, Zegers None spent of time, you know, yeah. in the minors. Yeah, as they should. As they should. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, it always takes bigger forwards longer. It just does. Because I think when you're 6'4 and 200 playing in the WHL, you're the biggest, fastest, meanest guy every night. And yeah. you don't have you can just rely on your physicality. And just being better and bigger than a sixteen-year-old you're playing against, you know, up in Saskatoon. Yeah. So it just doesn't. It, it when and then you make that jump, and it's like, oh, everybody's big here. Everybody. So I have to like almost completely relearn how to be effective, and then how to use your body in a way that you're, you know, it's not a, up against a sixteen-year-old. It's against a man. You're still six four. You're still two hundred pounds, but you have to do things a little more sneakily, a little more deft. Uh, and you can't just bowl people over, and you have to work on little moves and, and body angles and body control instead of being a bowling ball. And uh, and I think 
he will learn that, and he'll be a very good player. I don't know if he's an all-star, but I think he's going to be a very good player for a long time, a top-six winger. I just don't think he's a center, and I think he's uh, just a very, very you know solid NHL player that you would take in the middle of the first round and not third overall. What did you think of Kirby Doc's return to the west side yesterday? Were you in that camp that was booing him, or were you, in a weird way, happy to see him succeed, even though it, it cost possibly the Blackhawks an extra point? Your thoughts on that, 312-332-3776. Chief, I want to get your thoughts on Marion Hosa's ceremony that took place last Sunday and then seeing those seven three-time Stanley Cup champions on center ice at the United Center. Who's next to have their jersey retired? Who's not going to make the cut? And at the bottom of the hour, John Butchergrass from ESPN joins us. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show rolls on on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief, a.k.a. Brian Brandell. I am Pat Boyle. So Marion Hosa had his 81 Raised to the rafters at the United Center. What What did you think of the... Did you go or did you just I did not go. It on it's TV? one of those things where it's like, I'm probably better served having good Wi-Fi, which is unfortunate because I would have loved to be there. Uh, but I stayed, I stayed home for that one. I would say that the Blackhawks do pageantry better than anybody else in the league, maybe better than anyone in sports. It might be actually the best thing that organization is doing right now. Like they're... The show that they put on, the spectacle, the the, the you know the light up wristbands and the crowd, I always love that. Call me a simpleton, flashing lights, I love it. Uh, so that and then having bringing all the guys back, getting the Stanley Cup there, the whole thing was uh, it was spectacular. It was spectacular to watch and and well deserved for Marion. And uh, you know it seemed like he really appreciated it, and and he should because they they went all out and they hit it out of the park with that. Uh, in, in my opinion. Credit Brian Howe uh, and his team with the Blackhawks who put that on. Yeah. And it, like you said, it is like Disney-esque, right? I mean, it's soup to nuts. It is classy through and through for one of the classiest players yep. to ever grace the National Hockey League in Marion Hall. So I thought it was a cool week for him. You know, I mean, the, uh, he did interviews all over town, book signings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got to see some friends and family and take the girls to... You know where they were born at Northwestern. What a nice looking family too. Oh, yeah. Like that's just, it just it's like I I love this and I you know I did the prep school thing okay where I was remember being in, in public school being like I hate my teacher you know and then I would go to and, and when you see people with their families like that's a human being so it's almost like you you get to see like that element of Hosa and his family it just makes you appreciate him that much more uh, because he just has like this nice looking family and his parents his mother was all emotional it was it was a beautiful it was a beautiful ceremony like I think that's a, the best word for it so chief the coolest thing I thought all week so last Thursday I. Uh, I think did we? No, we didn't do the show. I knew. Well, we, we did. We come here and do the show last Thursday. No, we had Steger on. Remember? Yeah, for Steg, but yeah. we but we taped it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so we taped it. I went over to Chicago Cup when we were done. Had to meet a friend for dinner, and while I'm there, Savvy and Chelly walk in. Okay. And they, uh, I go, what are you guys doing? You know, he's like, oh, we just took took a picture. Chelly like lives there. Yes, Chelly does <laughs> yeah. live there. Tan as yeah. tan can be. Yeah. 
uh, always looks like he's ready to go out on the on the town. He, so he walks in with Savvy, and they go, we just took this awesome picture. I'm like, what? He goes, well, uh, you're not supposed to t- I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah. So David Yarrow, mm-hmm. famous photographer uh, from England, uh, his idea was to show the architecture of Chicago, to blend it with The Last Supper, Da Vinci's Last Supper, yep. and uh, tie in the Blackhawks. So on Thursday evening last week, they were on the river, 12 Blackhawks, Hall of Famers, Chelios, Savard, future Hall of Famer, Marion, well, Marion Hosa Hall of Famer, yep. but uh, Kane and Taves were there, Seth Jones was All there, the Max Domi. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was, and it's one of the coolest pictures I have ever seen. Uh, I, it's, you know, it's something for sure I would like to get from my home. It should be a mural in the United Center is what they should do with that. It is, it is that spectacular. And like the black and white really yes. worked too. It was, it was great. It was, it was a great thing to see. And, and again, another thing where it's just like that extra little detail. Let's get the, let's get this visionary photographer flying in from England right, or wherever right. he's living. But it was just like, let's do everything first class. And they, and they hit another home run. So. Uh, the only, the only hiccup I think was, uh, you know, so he handed out the, the Last Supper painting, you know, obviously a copy of it, yeah. to all the participants so that they could see kind of like what their facial expression should look like or how they should be pointing or what mm-hmm. have you. And Taves ended up in Judas' spot. <laughs> That's, I don't know who you have sitting in that yeah, spot. So, yeah. I mean, I, you know, there, I, so I, I, I think maybe... There's 19- an easy joke for me to make there, but credit to me, I'm not going to say the look joke about you. where bring in Stan and have him sit in that spot. I'm not going to say that, <laughs> but that would have been the easiest way to go. That would have been yeah. low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm way that. above that. I'm not going to yeah. do it. If I, someone else wanted to say it, I might retweet it, but... So check out, if you don't follow David Yarrow on Instagram, check it out. The uh, The photo is there. There's also a couple of behind-the-scenes uh, videos that he put when he was presenting it to the guys before they took that picture. Anyway, so that was a subplot to the mm-hmm. week. I love the ceremony. I thought it was first class. I thought his speech was great. To see the seven three-time Stanley Cup champions together, we got to interview a lot of them as we tap-danced. You know, the only thing that was interesting, and I'm curious from your perspective, do you have any problem, like, fans having to get there two and a half hours before puck drop to kind of experience it and still get in? The NHL is really worried about, you know, the ice getting resurfaced, Mm -hmm. both teams getting the proper warm-up, and then not having to wait a ridiculous amount of time between warm-up and drop of the puck. So are you cool? Because that's kind of... The NHL has started trending this way where they're holding these things 90 minutes yeah. or it turns out longer right. uh, before puck drop. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's ultimately you buy a ticket for the game and you might be more incentivized to buy a ticket on well, that I, day I, for the well, ceremony. I would, yeah, I would say that those days, yeah. you're definitely, it's more about the ceremony. Yeah, but, it, and, and I, but I do think it is more, maybe more about the ceremony in some regards, but... I think even the players and Hosa himself, it's like, you know, we got to respect the game the right way. And, sure. and so I think there's an element of that. So do whatever you have to do. And I'd rather have him do this 90-minute thing and do it the right way rather than cram everything in to, you know, right before the game. You know, so I, I was fine with every element of it. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but I, it was on a Sunday or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So if it was on a Tuesday, I think that makes it a little bit tough. But a Sunday afternoon, get in there, pay your respects. I think that I think that was fine. So you look at those seven three-time Stanley Cup champions out there, Kane and Taves, Sharp, 
Seabrook, Keith, Jalmerson, and of course Hosa. And you're like, all right, so who's who's next to go mm-hmm. to the rafters? Because even heard in Hosa's speech, he's like, I have a feeling I'll be coming back from Slovakia for more nights like this, and it's true. So I, I, I Keith is is the slam dunk next hundred percent to be retired. Yep. Correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he's. He's a top 100 player ever. He's got the two Norrises. He's a captain. Like he, you know, they have that statue out front, which is Hull, Makita, and Palat. They could put one on the other corner. That's Taves, Kane, and Keith. And they should. I think they probably should because those guys were the pillars in a lot of ways of the marketing and they and the cups and all of that. Like they, they could have statues, in my opinion. I am definitely in the minority on this. I would put them all up there. I would. Really? Yeah, because, you know, how many numbers do they have up before? They had uh, well seven numbers, seven seven and, players, yeah, and six numbers right, until a lot magazine and the shared number three. So my thing is the organization's been around a hundred years, right? And they had seven players in that hundred years worthy of getting a uh, uh, getting their number retired. To me, these golden eras and players like this, they just don't come around. Like, you know, I know they're trying to build and have this great thing, and I hope that they end up with, a, you know, another Stanley Cup here. Odds are we're never, ever going to see three and six again. And those teams were perfect. They brought hockey back to this city. Yes. Hockey was dead here before Absolutely those guys. Dead. And it's like if you take those guys off of that team, if you take Jalmerson off of that team, I don't know what they're winning. Okay. Like, and you watch like these interviews of, Brad Marchand and their contemporaries. Like, who is the best, hardest player uh, to play against if you're an offense? Oh, they almost all say Jalmerson. They all yeah. mention, they all don't mention other guys, but they all circle back to Jalmerson. Seabrook, the leader. How, they, how, do you, how do you handle Seabrook and Chelios then? Do you. They've already, the, the, the map is there. They got, you, they got two threes, give me two sevens. And uh, so Chelios back in with the org now, I think. You know, I think that Detroit thing probably rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way. He spent more time in Detroit than here, but he is Chicago. He's made his home here. I think he still serves as an ambassador. Yes, and he does. Yeah. So yeah. to me, like Chelly, like if you're if you're a born and raised Chicago guy and you're one of the greatest American hockey players ever, maybe the greatest, put seven up there. I got, I don't know. I, I'm surprised it hasn't been done already. And he won multiple Norris trophies here in Chicago. He was wore the sea. He's unbelievable. Like if che- if you can't retire Chelios' number, then Nobody I don't know who you who yeah. you retire. So so like you want to see Sharp up there? I yeah, I think Sharp in terms of like numbers and all that is probably uh, the one closest to like maybe it's like it's almost like if you have this have all six if you have six then you have to have all seven and I, it's like if you were going to draw a hard line maybe it's Sharp but to me it's like when I started you know really coming back and starting to believe in this team. It was like, yeah, you look out there, like, that sharp kid is pretty good. Like, you know, and it's like, then you notice Seabrook, and then you notice Keith, who are young players, and Bolin and Versteeg, and it was starting to come together. But it started really with that Patrick Sharp uh, trade where they acquired him from Philly, and it was like, and he, I think he came in right away, scored 25 goals or something like that his first year. And he's another like leadership kind of guy where it's like, he did everything you have. You want him to play center in 2010? We need centers. Hey, Sharpie, I'll do it. You want to kill penalties? I'll do it. You want to be a power play guy? I'll do it. So he did everything that the organization asked. Sneaky, tough. And it's another guy where it's like, I don't know what they, if they're able to get yeah, all three get, without all him. All championship teams have those type of players. Like, you know, Andrew Shaw, Bickle, you know, Mr. May, Brian yep. Bickle. Uh, but I think winning three puts you in a different category. Puts you, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so do you agree with Chief? Do you, do you put all seven... Three-time Stanley Cup champions. Do you put their 
numbers in the rafters at the United Center, or do you come up with a different plan? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. How about a, like a Ring of Honor? Do, do you think yeah. there's like a tier maybe where you recognize the Sharps and the Jalmersons mm-hmm. and the Seabrooks, and maybe there's a, a mural like the White Sox have outside of yep. Guaranteed Rate, and you pick you know the great moment from each of those players. And you put it on a mural, yeah. give them each their own night, mm-hmm. but you're not retiring the jersey and you're trying to you know, set a little bit of a parameter or yeah. level between, you know, because in, in essence, you could really make ha- the Hall of Fame being your, yeah. your defining. Yeah, like the New England Patriots have a, <clears throat> excuse me, have a Hall of Fame. But if you notice, they haven't had a number 10 since. And I don't think that's an accident. I agree. Yeah. And, 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 and there probably won't be a 50. Like, so no one's going to roll in and take right. Crawford's. And I remember they traded, uh, you know, Sharp. I think he was still in the league, but he had gone to Dallas. And they traded for Christian Erhoff. And Christian Erhoff was a good veteran defenseman. Didn't really work out here. But they, he comes in, and he had only worn number 10 every single step of the way of his career. Uh, you're wearing 55 now. Okay, yeah. so your numbers add up to 10, but you're not wearing 10 because that's Patrick Sharps. And even though he's on a different team and he's still in the league. No, you're, he, you're right about yeah. that. That's so, not by accident. That right. Those so happen. if you're doing a so then it's like, what's the statute of limitations on just having a uh, unofficial retired number before you make it retired? I, to me, like Sharpies, he was just so special. And it's like in a lot of ways, like he was a catalyst for that team, for those teams and winning. And if you want to set a level, OK, you're like, oh, well, we have to you know set a level for uh, retiring numbers, a certain barometer. Well, make it three cups. Okay, okay. so, so, so that's it. if three you have cups. Frankie Nazar comes in and you know, yeah, if he gets the three cups, yeah, well, maybe we'll retire his too. But it's like that should be if if you get three, you get your number retired. We're uh, we're gonna update. Uh, we'll talk a little Frankie Nazar on on the other side. Uh, after all, he is the player that the Blackhawks selected as part of that Kirby Doc deal when they dealt him mm-hmm. to Montreal. And who better to talk to? Then uh, Mr. NHL from ESPN. And Mr. College Hockey. College Hockey. College Hockey. John Butchergrass. He's next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. is on the ice now, and he has the puck. Tyru, Shen. Two on one, to win the game. Kane, to break it. Kane, to break it. Score! Jonathan Taves was able to get to the bench. And when he gets to the bench, who hops on to break it? Beautiful play by Jones to get it to to force a two-on-one, and that's the guy you want shooting a one-timer for the Chicago Blackhawks. Good change by Taves. Beautiful play by Jones. The break it opens up, and he doesn't miss very often from there, even if he doesn't get all of it. That was a great call. A year ago yesterday, Black Friday, the game winner for Alex DeBrinkett. And behind the mic for ESPN, it was John Butchergrass who joins us now. Butchie, that was one of my favorite calls from last season. <laughs> I love the anticipatory nature of the call. Uh, I know you're used to rating chicken parms. How do you rate that call for on your broadcast <laughs> career? Yeah, that felt good. Like you said, you, you want to nail those. You want to be on top of it. It's 
Hockey's a tough sport to call when you're way up high and the players are changing on the fly. Their numbers aren't always, you know, right in front of you. So you have to kind of look at what, you know, what way do they shoot, how do they skate, their body type, to try to get a quick clue. So you can kind of anticipate and get that call as close as possible. So that was, a, that was an easy one. You know, the overtime is nice. There's a lot of space. You can see things, and so that was, yeah, you, you just, I mean, that's why we do what we do, and we want to do a great job and, and heighten the experience for the fans, not annoy them. So it's nice when you get one like that, and uh, it feels good because, that, you know, that, that's our game. That's our competition. That's how we, that's how we win, you know, when we do well like that because it doesn't always happen. But uh, that, one, that, that one felt great. It was a great time in Chicago. They served me some chicken parm uh, <laughs> up there in the booth, me and Brian Boucher, the size of a manhole cover. And so overall, it was a good way to spend the holiday. That became a thing. Like pretty much every NHL rink you went to last season, you would see the chef in that particular arena present <laughs> you with a parm. Uh, not the easiest thing to throw down when you're trying to call a game. No, right. Well, you know, when one team does it, I think Seattle was the first, and others are like, oh, we can't we can't let anyone top us. We have to do it. So then it happened in Chicago, then in Raleigh. So it was nice. Yeah, unfortunately, you have to kind of wait till the game's over, and then it's, it's kind of cold. So, yeah, I, I usually get one bite in, and then, uh, and then the rest is just, well, hopefully there's – it's edible by the end of the game. Well, it's one bite, and everybody knows the rules. So who, who had the highest score? You know, it's hard to mess up chicken parm. They're all beautiful. They're all wonderful. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> if anybody follows you on social media, there's plenty of people that screw that at this dish up. As you are, uh, are often to tell people, to, you know, a little less pasta, too much marinara. Sure. Nana plate, yeah. There's, there's, yeah, but when you do with chicken, cheese, and sauce, that's hard to mess up. <laughs> They're all pretty good on their own. So, yeah, just maybe a few little particulars I'd like to keep the people focused on. Well, next time you're in Chicago, we should go by Las Carola. That's that's the number one chicken parm in that's my good. book, and uh, we'll have a little boys' night. Anytime, anytime. I'm always open. So we had Hosa's uh, jersey retirement last Sunday. When I say Marion Hosa, what what comes to mind? Man, just what a horse. I, I felt like I was kind of on him early. You know, that's the, the first iteration of the NHL and ESPN. I was hired in 96, and so we had the contract to low four. That's kind of right around, you know, when he kind of burst onto the scene and just always thought he was a Hall of Famer after about 500 games. Just you could see the, you know, the 200 foot player, uh, you know, how he could finish, how he defended, his size, his board play. You know, all those things that the stats don't quite reflect, and then on top of having great stats, and so just you know an absolute you know a unique kind of player. Uh, there's not a lot of those guys. There's not a lot of them right now, and so you know if he were to pluck himself right now into today's game as a 23, 24 year old, man, would he be a unique commodity? Yeah, he might be the highest paid player in the game if he came in 24 years old right now. And I do remember you were you were early on that. Because that was like a debate maybe five years ago, and I like couldn't believe my eyes. People were like, "Oh, oh is, yeah. is Hosa a Hall of Famer or not?" Thankfully, you, big hockey following on Twitter, obviously the voice of reason, got everybody on board. And now he's in the Hall of Fame. So I hope he mentioned you in that speech. <laughs> no, I don't think he did. I'm not, I don't think he knows who I am. But uh, but yeah, this, you know, those are, those are the kind of guys you have to watch the game. You know, I know the old eye test analytic thing is a huge debate. And when when people say eye test, they sound like cavemen and and when people say analytics, you know, they they look at them like they're they're nerds. So there's there's very little middle ground. But he's one of those guys you had to watch the game. You have to watch the games to see what they can really do because some things aren't quantifiable in stats. They just they're just not. John Butchergrass from. 
the NHL on ESPN, studio host, play-by-play voice, host of The Point. He's a 200-foot player there in Bristol. Sauce <laughs> so, pass always has a little marinara on it. Um, yep, always. Do, the trade market for Kane and Taves, how competitive do you think that's going to be uh, come uh, early March or even late, late February? Right, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty competitive by then. People, you know, especially some of these guys, these teams that don't have LITR guys, you know, um, like the Rangers. The Rangers could have $6.5 million right at the deadline, which pretty much aligns up with the math with Kane. Um, so I think he'll have a pretty big market. Taves, you know, maybe not quite as much, obviously, but certainly a real valuable playoff kind of guy if he's going to continue uh, this kind of production. If, if the scouts of these teams feel like he can still move and play at the pace of a Colorado um, or a team like that, you know, whatever conference the team in is in the trades for him. Um, you know, Kane is obviously a guy who's, you know, his goal scoring is going down. It's going to continue to go down as he ages. You know, he loses a quarter of a step to a half step. He's not going to be able to create separation. The last three years, his goals per game numbers are starting to really go down. Still a great playmaker. Obviously, zero defense he's going to give you. Um, but yep, some teams may not want that liability. But I, I do think a great team, I just I don't know why. I don't know if Colorado is going to be able to create any kind of space. But, man, I think that's the spot for him if he wants to win another cup. Obviously, they're the, they're the favorite right now. But um, a, a team where he doesn't really have to carry the load, I just wonder if if New York, I know people talk about the Rangers. I just don't know if that's the best place for him and the pressure that would be on him. Um, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a fascinating process there. Does he want to be a one-franchise guy? How much does money you know, going forward is important to him? Um, you know, I, I've heard he might want a, a pretty big contract again. And um, so that you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the market is for those two guys as they're basically 35. Um, Pays will turn 35 first. Kane will turn 35 during next season, but very early in November. So they're basically 35-year-old guys. What's the value, especially if they stay in Chicago? Do you see any of the – and I know the Rangers are always mentioned. I kind of look at the other two New York Metro teams as possibly better fits, especially the Islanders because, you know, there was a lot of rumors with them and Johnny Hockey, and then he didn't come in. So do you think those are fits? And then what kind of package – uh, do you think he commands a return? Because I think when we're, fans in Chicago were underwhelmed by the, what they got for Debrinket and blown away by what they got for Hagel. So we're, it's almost impossible to know. <laughs> Have you heard anything about uh, our team's really going to pony up? I think, well, obviously it depends on the market. If there's three teams who want him and, and, and they can get you know the first-round pick, uh, you know, the future first round pick, maybe a past first round pick of a guy who was, you know, like a late first rounder who is not going to be, you know, maybe generational, but certainly, you know, from, from one to two years ago, and then maybe, you know, another third or something. You know, I would think that's about the general area how these things usually go. There's always a chance where it could be a, a regular skater that fits, especially if you're trying to uh, deal with salary. Um, and there's a guy who's a certain age that the Blackhawks feel like, okay, this guy could be an anchor for us as we try to maybe a bottom six guy because that's you know when you're constructing the team, it's just as important to construct a bottom six than it is a top six. They should be able to get the top six via the draft. They're going to get that, obviously, next year, wherever that is. 
Um, so, and then and they have so much cap space. They can really get anybody they want. Chicago will always be a free agent player because of the city and um, because of its recent history. So there's such, they're in such an amazing position cap wise. And then if they can, you know, obviously nail the draft, if they nailed it this past year, we don't know for sure if they did yet. And if they do again next year, and then they get all this cap space, you know, it's hard to sign super duper stars because teams tend to wrap them up early now, but occasionally one slips through the cracks and you never know. So, um, but it will be interesting to see the the market uh, for Kane and Taves. You, you, just, you just need two or three teams to drive it up as, as far as you can go, because you know some people in the end. Uh, that's what I love about GMs in the NHL. They tend to be really emotional and make terrible trades, and so it's always really fun. John Butchergoss joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We're a quarter of the way through this season. You've got uh, you know OV chasing down Wayne Gretzky. You've got personalities emerging like Trevor Zegras. You did a lot of stuff in Vegas with some of the budding stars before the season began. As you look at it from your seat, is the NHL in one of the best spots it's been in in a long, long time? I think so. I, I love watching the games every night on you know on ESPN Plus, and especially like when there's five or six, seven o'clock games, that 9 to 9.30 window when a bunch of them are ending and you know, at least a majority of them are always either close or one goal games just about every night and you can zip around and, and yeah, so I really do think the league is strong and there's a good depth of talent. It's young and, uh, and there's, but there does seem to be a lot more personality and players, you know, not afraid to, to show it. And, and as us and TNT get back into the game and given the NHL, really probably the biggest map it's had media wise. Um, this is probably the best place it's been in. I, like, I thought NBC did a fine job um, since they got it back in 2005 and, you know, originally. And, um, but it just wasn't a big map. It wasn't a big, uh, you know, big, big blueprint. We're now, with, with the two of us having a competition, uh, TNT, ESPN, and, of course, digitally what we both can provide, um, you know, this is the best place hockey, the position hockey has been. And you have to be because there's so much competition now in the world, so many slices of sports pizza, you know, especially as soccer and, and Europe has grown and really, you know, that, that wasn't a factor when I was a kid, European, you know, Premier League soccer. That wasn't even a, a competition, but now it's competition. Now you see F1. You can't watch everything and you can't buy every shirt and T-shirt. So all these sports leagues, it, it's tough. And so you've got you to gotta keep stepping up, and I think the NHL has, and I'm sure they're always thinking about new ways to do it too. But I think it's in a good place. Yeah, and I know you're the NHL guy. I still, part of my heart, I look at John Butchergrass, I'm like, that's college hockey. That yeah. is the face of college <laughs> hockey. And, you know, we're we're starting to watch it. Have you had a chance to watch Michigan and Adam Fantilli yet? And is that a guy that we should uh, – I'm kind of sold on him as maybe over Bedard. And where are you falling in that debate? Yeah, I'm, I'm still Bedard number one for me. Um, just the way he's such a dynamic shooter of the puck, a lot like Austin Matthews. Uh, I really do think he's freakish and that he'll go one, but I do think Fantilli will go two. I actually have a Michigan-Michigan State game on the ESPNU docket in February, which I can't wait. So I like to see these guys in person. I'm doing a BUBC game um, in two weeks up with in Colby Boston. Cohen. With our friend Colby. Colby Cohen. Yep, and the Blackhawks have a draft pick um, on BU. And so and a couple, actually, Camesso as well. So I'm sure, I'm sure Camesso will play that game. So, um, so yeah, so I love seeing these guys up close. 
you know, I create a relationship with them really via social media because I'm the one guy waving pom-poms for college hockey. There's no competition, really, um, for, in terms of a national guy. And so it's great when I walk in these NHL rinks, these guys come right up to me. They say hi. It's really cool. It's been a, a great asset. I mean, it's just great, enjoyable at the human level, but it's also been a really good asset that we got back in the hockey. I think some of my bosses were around at the rinks some of these games, and they see all these guys coming up to me saying hi. I think they're kind of shocked that they know who I am. It's like, uh, you know, I've been doing this college hockey for 10 years, you know, and, and so I kind of created that little thing, and it's really helped me with my job because they come up to me and they're approachable and we have conversations. I get to know them and I get to know their game, and it helps me, you know, describe them to the fans as well because it's never really been a big prospect amongst the general fan, like a, a place to talk about prospect. That's part of sports. That's mm-hmm. part of you know, baseball kind of owned that when we were young, and that was such a cool part about baseball. That guy at AAA, I can't wait to see him. So now I try to bring that kind of excitement and theatrical uh, nature for, for hockey prospects. Hey, here's a guy doing this. Hey, Senator fans, check this out. Hey, Blackhawk fans, look at this. And so that, that's been really fun now that we have both college. This will be my 10th Frozen Four this uh, April in Tampa, and then now that we have hot NHL. So it's, it's a perfect time for me. I'm so lucky and so grateful. Well, I'll tell you what. I've got my oldest is a freshman at uh, Penn State, and uh, right. she goes to the Penn State hockey games, and she rocks uh, the college hockey merch. By the way, speaking of the merch, <laughs> any, any uh, Black Friday stuff that uh, folks can take advantage of? Yeah, 40% off. com. You know, just use that uh, the code SALE, S A. L.E., like Chris Sale, former White Sox pitcher. Um, so, yeah, so, so we get some hats and T-shirts and stuff. And How much money stuff. have you raised over the years? We're, we're pushing right around you know $300,000 selling T-shirts out of my house. Wow, so I probably right. sold about a million dollars worth of stuff you know, after postage and buying the stuff and boxing it up. So it's, it just started as a lark on Twitter and turned to this thing. It's been really unbelievable. It's everything, you know, it's been just so much fun and stupid, and I can't believe it ever happened. But like I said, it's a great way to connect with fans and gives me something to do as, the, as an empty nester and uh, a night job. So it gives me something to do during the day. Well, we appreciate all you do for the, uh, the great game of hockey, and uh, thanks for taking time uh, out of your Saturday to join us on the Hockey Show. Anytime. Love it. All Thank right. you, boys. Love you, Butchie. Talk to you soon. Uh, we'll wrap up the Hockey Show coming up next on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show on the AM at 1000, on the FM at 100.3 HD2, on your phone, through the ESPN Chicago app. Back on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I'm Pat Boyle. Thanks to our guest, John Butchergrass for jumping on and gracing us with his presence. Always fun to talk to Butchie. Yeah, he used to do this season preview blog where he he, he and I have like similar music taste, kind of weird indie alt rock kind of stuff and uh, folk music. But he would also always take like a lyric of some band that I had never heard of and apply it to you know the Red Wings or this. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and then I would like make a playlist out of the songs from that blog. So I wanted to ask him for some some music recommendations. So that's where I found all my music from, like, I don't know, like wow. a four, four or five-year stretch. So love Butchie. Uh, thanks to our producer, Kendra Smith. We're sponsored by the Chicago Wolves, defending Calder Cup champs. They've dropped three in a row after falling to the Texas Stars last night at Allstate Arena. The Wolves will host the Stars again tonight, which will be Wizards Night, Chief, at Allstate Arena. 
with all kinds of magical events planned based off the most popular movies and books in the fantasy genre. Love that. I, have you seen those little uh, wizard sticks where they you put a little tissue paper at the yeah. bottom and zap people? That is, I'm giving that to every one of my nephews for Christmas because that seems awesome. I'm also might take them to that game because that sounds like a great time. There wizard you go. Night. And uh, so that's taking place at Allstate Arena tonight. Um, what uh, has caught your eye around the National Hockey League uh, recently? Yeah, this is, and Butch, you mentioned it, how if you have ESPN+, Plus, Hulu, whatever, all the games are on. So, yes. I, and he kind of said it too. There's never been a better time to be a hockey fan. It's just not the best time in Chicago. So it, it's a great time to kind of watch the rest of the league. The New Jersey Devils are so much fun. They just want to outscore everybody, skill all day. Uh, they're a great team to watch. The Bruins with Jim Montgomery behind the bench. They, you know, the fountain of youth for Bergeron and Marshawn, all these guys. The NHL is almost, for me, must-see TV every single night. And be able to flip around and be like, ooh, that game's 3-2 with a minute left. Like, there's all sorts of different angles you could be looking at, and it's it's been it's been awesome this year. How about the streaks this year? Both good and bad. Yeah. Like, team, like, Jersey winning 10-11, yeah. you know, in a row, and then other teams losing, you know, like, the Blues have been on both sides of the spectrum. They've lost eight straight, and they've won eight straight. I mean, the Blues are not going to... Right, now they've lost two in a row again. Yeah, I so, mean, but they now they were like, oh, they're going to be down picking Fantilli or Bedard. That would be terrible. Now then they rip off eight in a row or whatever it is. They're right back in the playoffs uh, position. So it's been a wild kind of start to the year as teams are getting their feet underneath them. But it's been it's been a lot of fun, and now is the time where, you, where everybody kind of knows what they are, uh, and, and it gets hyper-competitive because it's like you know, no one's sleeping on the devils anymore so let's see what they have you know through between now and christmas one of the little subplots to the marion hosts of jersey retirement was of genny melkin's 1000th career game i loved what the pens did in warm-up mocking yeah. his stretching routine mm-hmm. the whole team the whole, the whole team. team so it's always kind of cool when uh, teams will hey like we're all wearing 81 i don't you know i don't think the hawks did that pregame but the, a lot of times they'll do that for you know everybody will wear that same number to honor a guy they weren't doing that. They were just like, he has the most unique, weird warm-up routine, so we're all going to do that. That was, that was great TV. Yeah, and then before the game, they had Melkin's nine-year-old son mm-hmm. deliver the starting lineup. Yeah, special moment. Special yeah. moment. And it is one of those things where, you know, I, I've watched basically every single year of Malkin's career, and it's like all these guys, it's like Fountain of Youth, and, and they're still they're still doing it, but they're like completely different than what they were when they came in the league. They have these families, and, and that was great to see, you know, Malkin, Malkin do that. Yeah. We're going to see the Blackhawks take on the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night, 6 o'clock start, 5.30 pregame. We're going to bring Scott Foster, the emergency backup goalie, who won in 2018 against the Jets? Yeah, the guy who has the Jets number. Right, he's got their number. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna pick his brain, reminisce about that. And by the way, Chief, he was slated to be the emergency backup when Staylock got injured in the first part of November. I, I'm so glad he didn't get in. Yeah, because it, unless it's like you can't repeat that performance, but maybe he can. I, that's a question, yeah. right? Like. You had the perfect storybook ending. Right. Are you trying to go for number two? I hope he comes up and is just like, yeah, I still got it. Yeah. Well, of course I'm going to get it. I mean, it. Look, I still got it's, it. It's, still not, good. it's not busy season for accounting. Right. I, I'll go, yeah. you know, I'm going to go. It's, like it's April. Yeah. I mean, we got, <laughs> we got McDavid coming in yeah. on Wednesday night. Yeah. I want to take Stonewall. him on. <laughs> Stonewall. So big week for the Hawks. Jets on tomorrow night. And they'll take on Another surprising Jesus team. on Wednesday. Yeah. That'll be on TNT, by the way. 
So that's going to do it for us. Coming up next, it's White Sox Weekly. Thanks for listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, sponsored by the Chicago Wolves.